This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, February 17th. This is episode 321. I'm Dan Ellis, joined via remote connection by two awesome co-hosts, Mr. Ryan Duffy. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Taylor Green. Hey, hey. How you guys doing? I'm warm. Well, yeah, that's yeah. that's fortunate. Uh, there are a lot of people these days who that's a luxury for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I have been able to put in a ton of work and have more work heaped on me during filing season, the, the start of filing season, because all of our offices in Texas are closed yesterday and today. So that's fun. I mean, Texas isn't used to snow, so I'll give them a pass. Yeah. Well, and it's it's not even just that they're not used to it. They don't have the infrastructure to handle it, right? They don't handle have it. all of the plows and the salt trucks and all that kind of yeah. shit that we have here because... And they, and they deliberately deregulated their energy industry, which then chose not to winterize to save costs and then fucked over their entire population. Yeah. And then, and then you've got a bunch of right wingers, including the fucking stupid ass governor, Greg Abbott, saying, saying stupid shit like, Oh, well, this just proves, you know, green energy and, and then the green new deal would just cripple America and it would cost people lives. You fucking lying bastard. Like ERCOT, the, the, the agency that oversees the board that oversees Texas's power said, no, you know, renewable energy accounted for maybe 10% of the problems they're having. All the rest of it is just that they have a shitty infrastructure and they're using old fossil fuels and a lot of their instrumentation I mean, froze. And yeah, it's, it's not the cause. It's not being caused by green energy. It was kind of well, like Trump's reelection campaign. If you don't like the way this country's going, vote for me again. Cause I'll keep going that same way. <laughs> Yeah, the entire the, – the polar vortex affected all of America except for like Southern California and Florida. And yet the only power grid that got fucked was Texas. Like they did some rolling yeah. blackouts for half an hour at a time in Kansas and Nebraska. Like Florida is the problem. Deregulation doesn't fucking work. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, – there was there was a bit on Chris Hayes' show last night where he went through this montage of a bunch of right-wing fuckos blaming all of Texas's problems on green energy, which is funny on so many different levels, as if Texas has this, you know, large and sprawling green energy, <laughs> green energy output or anything that they've, that they've set up in fucking Texas, of all places, in the first place, and then to try to blame it on you know, this, this vast infrastructure that doesn't fucking exist anyway. My God. Well, I mean, they're all like any politician in Texas is used to sucking the dick of the oil industry because that's all of Southern Texas. Mm -hmm. And then 
it's an easy target for them because there's significant portions of Western Texas that are just covered with windmills because they realize that like eventually that shit's going away. And so they put down just a fuck ton of green energy. Um, but it also provides like an easy target for them. Like they're literally having their cake and eating it too with that. Oh yeah. 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 They get to, they get to point fingers at it. It, and we see that with basically every government agency, the right wingers want to pick on at any given point in time. You know, the agency I work for in particular, it fucking pisses me off, makes me angry to no end that, you know, right wingers just fucking complain about the agency I work for all the fucking time when, we don't make laws. We follow the laws that Congress enacts and tells us that we have to put in place. And then, you know, people on the right starve government agencies for money. And then they whine and complain when shit breaks or isn't kept up to snuff. It's like they, 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 it's a self-fulfilling prophecy when they say shit like, oh, this agency doesn't work and it's got a lot of problems. So we're going to cut funding for it because they don't have enough funding in the first fucking place that leads to the problems. It's just a cycle of bullshit. Yeah. I, like to be that guy, I highly recommend the book. What's the matter with Kansas? Um, the author's last name is Frank. I can't remember his first name. Fantastic book that points to like conservatives doing that for decades and like lays it out industry by industry from Kansas where it started. And it kind of functions as like a test bed. And then conservatives do that kind of shit nationally. And it's all to increase profits and shift costs onto the government, you know, socializing costs, but privatizing profits. Yeah. That's uh they have a long and storied track record of doing bullshit like that. <sighs> it's frustrating, but you know, <laughs> Hopefully one day that will come to an end. Uh, speaking of right wingers coming to an end, <laughs> I was <laughs> excellent. <segue. laughs> I was uh, five transition. I did. I did. I did see that there was a bit of fantastic news uh, that Rush Limbaugh is no longer polluting the airwaves or anything else around him. And how dare people say Rush Limbaugh sitting in hell? Hell's too good for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I would hope that he is nowhere that I would ever be. And according to people <laughs> who listen to him, I would be going to hell. So, yeah, I, I really hope that he's not there if and when I arrive because he's a fucking dickhead or was a fucking dickhead. And he's been a dickhead for decades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I, I haven't always agreed with don't speak ill of the dead. If they're an ill person, fucking speak ill of them. Yeah, he was oh, a yeah. shitty person. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, he 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 commanded no respect in life. Why would I respect him after he after he's fucking dead? Like I've never understood don't speak ill of the dead. Fuck that. Like, yeah. Nah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm Call sure bastards bastards. Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, he has friends and family members who will be mourning his loss, but I'm not fucking one of them. And Nope. All of the people that he has belittled and demeaned his entire fucking life, I'm sure, are glad to know that he's no longer going to be, you know, championing and and celebrating the death of gay people or anybody who happens to die of AIDS. He had a he had a short lived segment on his show where, you know, he would read off the names of people who had died of AIDS and would play all sorts of fun sounds in the background and and songs. Just he was a fucking piece of shit. He's he made millions on hate. Mm -hmm. I'll go a step further. Fuck any of his family members who are sad and mourning him right now because those people didn't have the like chutzpah 
to fucking call him out on his bullshit. So fuck them too, because they were willing to continue to care about somebody who is that fucking evil. That's a very valid point. Yeah. I, I can't argue that. <laughs> you know, I try to, I try to be kind, uh, to, to people who may be mourning, but it's kind of, yeah, but you're absolutely right. Like, I don't, I don't see necessarily why we should feel the need to feel bad for people who, thought a bad person was a was a decent thing to be and and to belittle and demean people was fucking awesome and and that you know like i said you should make fun of people who die of aids that's just fucking monstrous and i'm yeah. the world is a better place without him in it good reddit's limba yeah yes yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh did we talk about the weather here in Utah and Kansas and everywhere? I mean, we mentioned it in, in Texas here in Utah. We got, well, at my house, I got apparently more than Ryan did in Ogden, but here at my house, we got about a foot and a half of snow overnight and throughout the day today. Yeah. You got about 98% more than me. <laughs> and it's funny <laughs> because, you know, last night as we're going to bed as part of my, uh, the routine that I've set up for my Google assistant throughout the house, you know, all of the house, all of the lights in my house and most of the electronics are part of smart. our, yeah, they're all, they're all smart devices and part of our Google eco- ecosystem. And so I've set up routines that do a bunch of shit whenever I issue the, the command. And so last night when I issued the command that we we're going to go to bed and it's supposed to turn, you know, some lights on, turn the TV off, all that kind of shit. And then at the end of it, it, uh, goes through and reads off shit from my calendar and tells me what the weather is going to be the next day. Uh, Google said that it was going to snow. And so then I had a follow up question to Google and I just said, well, how much are we, how much snow are we expecting tomorrow? It said an inch and a half, an inch <laughs> to an inch and a half. <laughs> and I woke up to, to more than a foot this morning. <laughs> I saw that picture of your, um, your patio table that had just like this cylinder of snow on top of it. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks like a, it looks like a fancy cake sitting out there on the table. <laughs> like that snow came straight uh. down. Like it's a perfect that Yeah. Wild. Oh man. I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to go to work today. Well, and I, and I'm, I'm thinking that I might pull some, uh, time-lapse video from some of my security cameras because it's really Ooh. cool just watching the snow pile up and blow around and then get yeah. really deep over you know just, just a few hours of the snow coming down i might do that later if i have some time but it was just kind of cool you know zooming zooming through in the morning when i wake up i usually check the cameras to see if there was any fuckery overnight because we've got cats and dogs in the neighborhood and some raccoons yeah. that that meander around the yard and so in the morning, I usually just kind of scroll through all of my notifications for stuff. And as I'm doing that, it just runs through, you know, scenes from overnight. And so I, so it's kind of a time lapse video for me as I'm doing that. And I was just, it was just kind of cool seeing all the snow pile up as I was doing that. Well, and actually, I guess it wasn't piling up. It was going in reverse because I was viewing my timeline backward, but I just so thought it, it was, fun. it was happier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens. This is, this is the current state. This is where we were. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. <sighs> what have you guys been doing? Well, I picked up the glass for that table I've been working on for two months. Mm-hmm. It fit. Yay. Hell yeah. It fucking fit. Like a glove. Yeah. 
it perfect and that was like i was stressing i went and picked it up and i was stressing about it when i picked it up i'm like fuck this better fucking fit <laughs> i dropped it in there and i was like oh it worked my math is good Woohoo! <laughs> that's fantastic so i feel accomplished all right oh, and i made i made a i made a zombie axe too oh yeah i saw your pictures of that yeah. that looks awesome where did you get the metal for it I bought the axe head uh-huh. on Amazon. Oh, cool. Uh, and I've bought in two more. And I got someone else that might be buying some and sending them to me because he wants some made too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. very fancy. I like it very much. How's the balance on it? No fucking clue. Oh. I don't know how you balance an axe. <laughs> uh, it would hurt if I hit it with you or hit you with it. Sure. Regardless I, I know of that much. Yeah, I would. I imagine that regardless of the angle or end that you hit me with, it would hurt quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, I'll I'll talk to my brother. He uh, he works at an axe throwing place, and uh, I'll have him ask like what the balance needs to be because I know it's a weight thing. Like literally, it's you know one side needs to be heavier than the head. Well, I mean, deal. it's hard because the head is metal and the handle's wood. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to make the wood weigh more than the head. Mm-hmm. Just because of you know density wise, the metal's way denser than the wood, so there's more mass there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so, supposed to go end over end, but I know that the center of of mass has to be lower than the head for it to properly tumble. But I don't know like exactly how many inches like, or whatever that's supposed to be. Center of gravity is like right here on this guy. You can't see it in video format, but I'm balancing it on my finger, and it's about three inches from the the head. And then there's a lot of handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's you know the more the more off center that is, then you're if you're if you're planning to throw it at somebody, <laughs> you just have to plan <laughs> for rotation of handle versus rotation of the axe head itself. Mm-hmm. I I was just gonna hang that one in the bar and make it look cool. Yeah. Well, it does <laughs> definitely fucking look cool, <laughs> and would be functional for killing zombies in a pinch. I'm sure. Yeah. I told Sarah I was going to bring it to work and put it in my wildland pack. Mm-hmm. Then on wildlands, I'll just break it out and be like Thor, just being like, I killed the fire with my axe. <laughs> I see. Well, that's yeah. fun. Uh, so we also have some other news on Rittenhouse. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, listeners from last week will remember that we uh, talked about how Rittenhouse's uh, current whereabouts are unknown. Uh, at the time, there was talk about the um, prosecution seeking a bench warrant for uh, Rittenhouse's arrest. Um, that warrant has been declined um, for four primary reasons, and I'm going to go over that. Um, first of all, the judge said that the state did not meet the statutory burden for a new warrant because the law requires him to have committed a serious crime for that to happen. Uh, and apparently just listing the wrong address on your paperwork is not a serious crime. Mm. Uh, the judge denied to increase the bond. Uh, if you remember from last week, there was talk mm-hmm. about increasing the 2 million bond by another 200,000. Mm-hmm. And that was denied because Rittenhouse has made every court date and appeared when required. Uh, my understanding from the article is that Rittenhouse was present with his attorney when he went to the court last week. 
Um, the judge said that explicitly knowing the whereabouts of a defendant while out on bond is, quote, not common and not a requirement unless explicitly stipulated. Uh, and that wasn't part of um, like the prosecutor's stipulations for you know conditions of his release. And then finally, the judge says that problems with the change of address like this uh, and the absence of other attempts to flee or not appear do not typically increase, uh, do not typically cause an increase of bail or an arrest warrant. He says that the same factors at play during the initial determination are in play today. So criming wall white um, is pretty <laughs> yeah, much the answer to that. Yeah, he's up for a murder charge. Yeah, well, it sounds like so. What I got out of out of all of that was that it sounds like because the prosecutors didn't make it uh, an explicit part of the initial proceedings that they need to know where he is. That you know that's not that big a deal. And then that you know finding out later that he was that he provided a wrong address doesn't constitute like a major crime, like perjury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, and I want to make something really clear that some folks made. Uh, a point that folks made during the um, the insurrection, right, mm-hmm. is that um, a lot of folks were saying, you know, when BLM protests were happening, tens of thousands of people were arrested and charged. People were tear gassed. They were shot with rubber bullets like they were kettled. All kinds of serious shit happened to them from the cops. Right. And the folks who were saying, well, none of this stuff happened to the folks on the Capitol. And they made the argument that it's not that they wanted the people who were assaulting the Capitol to be brutalized. They were pointing out that the people who assaulted the Capitol were not brutalized while peaceful protesters at BLM rallies were. And the point I'm making here is the same. Like, Everyone who is charged with a crime should be getting as lenient of of treatment as Kyle Rittenhouse is right now, mm-hmm. right? Especially for misdemeanors and shit like that, where you've got people who get rolled up for a dime bag and go straight to jail until their court date instead of being let out and they lose their job, they lose their car, all that jazz. Um where instead, like, yeah, absolutely, you should have an easy bail. You should get out. It should be difficult to keep you in jail. Like mm-hmm. It's just crazy that somebody like this um, is able to get such good treatment while people who are accused, right, also not yet convicted of far less serious crimes are just jailed. Yeah. So it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not equal treatment under the law. Speaking of equal treatment under the law and things around there, this episode will be mostly devoted to talking about what, Mr. Grin? Yeah, um, so I'm going to be talking about the Proud Boys um, after this break. Uh, Last week I teased, uh, this week I'm going to get into the fact that Canada has listed the Proud Boys as a terrorist organization, uh, and that comes with some pretty significant uh, government sanctions, especially on their like economic activity. And I'm going to be talking about a little bit about who the Proud Boys are, but predominantly what those laws look like in Canada, what the laws look like in America, and how it may or may not be a good idea to try and emulate that because of some civil rights concerns. And uh, we'll get back to you on that here after this break. This is Shalise Blythe with the Satanic Temple and the National Director of the After School Satan Club. For more information on how you can start a club in your area, visit afterschoolsatan.com. You are listening to The Godless Revolution. Guys, let's not forget that Jesus was an immigrant. 
from heaven. Oh, boy. Yeah, and he had to go home, too. And it was not a fun trip. Plus, it could not have been easy being a white guy in the Middle East. <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Hey, and welcome back from the break. Uh, before the break, I said that we're going to be talking about the Proud Boys and their recent designation by Canada as a uh, terrorist group. And to start with, I'm going to give a little bit of background on who the hell the Proud Boys are. Um, so here's the Proud Boys history in five minutes or less. The Proud Boys were founded by Vice News co-founder Gavin McInnes. Yay! Uh, that's, that's the same. No. Boo. Boo. <laughs> yeah. That's the same Gavin McInnes. Um, uh, or sorry, that's the same Vice News that like... Bill Maher like. presently owns. Yeah. yeah. Um, he left Vice in 2008 due to creative differences. Uh, we know what that means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Everybody thought he was a dickbag and wanted him to go bye-bye. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So it's fair to say that the Vice News of today is not the Vice News of when Gavin McInnes was a co-founder of it. Um, he went on to work at the alt-right magazine Tackies, which is edited uh, by Richard Spencer, that uh, Nazi with the super punchable face. Mm. Um, the one from the like hail Trump alt-right rally that happened just after yeah. the election in 2016. That guy. The one um, The one that has the, the videos posted of the guy running up and fucking punching him in the side of the head. That was that was fun. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. I was very awesome. envious of that person. Though I would Anytime never do I'm it sad, myself. I play that video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was very envious. Uh, for for more on Richard Spencer's ultimately punchable face and punching Nazis in general, listeners can go back and our Patreon listeners can go back and listen to episode one seventy five. We had a very long discussion about punching Nazis with with Mister Grin before he was regular part of the show, and also. To be fair, I was running on like 36 hours without sleep. So if I start to sound wacky towards the end of it, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so uh, in 2016, McInnes founded the uh, Proud Boys. Um, he did it on the taxi uh, Tacky's magazine, and he was basing it from a song that was cut from Disney's Aladdin. Uh, the song was called Proud of Your Boy. And in the song. Aladdin is talking to his mom about being sorry that he is like a scoundrel and a thief. But McInnes appears to have interpreted it as him apologizing for being a boy. And he like has taken that misinterpreted meaning uh, to infuse it into like the, the chauvinism of the organization itself, which, you know, is, is very like toxically masculine and, and Western chauvinist. Mm-hmm. Um, Fun related fact, it is possible if you look online to find a video of Gavin fucking himself in the ass with a dildo to quote own the libs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's I haven't found it myself, but I'd know that to be true. Yep. Yeah. Um You know it to be true that that's how you own the libs? <laughs> oh no, he did that. Oh, okay. He actually did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna leave that there. I'm just gonna just leave that out there. Okay. Um so the Proud Boys describe themselves as Western chauvinist, um, which is a interpretation of white supremacy that like has purposefully tried to 
like distance itself from like the mouth breathing skinheads that we're used to in the uh, United States. Um, there was this movement that started in France in like the seventies and eighties called identitarianism, which is like, if you've ever heard like old people talking about how like Europeans made the world and shit like that, like where they just kind of take all Europeans into one conglomerate where it's useful to them, um, ignoring like the invention of whiteness and how like Italians and Polish people were previously not seen as white. Like that's where that kind of thing comes from. They try and like paint all of Europe as being whiteness and responsible for all of the good things in the world. And it's, it is obviously white supremacy, but it's very different from the like, masturbating to hitler kind of nazism that most people are used to and they they you know they're they're nazism in a suit you know yeah Yeah, well they're not far off yeah well and it seems to me that when whenever i hear the term western chauvinism or western chauvinist it it's an attempt to just kind of gloss over the the history of racism and and that you know they, they want to say that the country was built by you know these western ideals and western chauvinism without any mention at all of using slave labor to do that. Right. Right. Or depending on algebra developed by Muslims. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, the fact that like Polish people, for example, were not seen as being white. Like they, you know, they were seen as being like, um, fuck whether they call them. They're, they, they've got different like segregations of like white ish people. If, if you look right. into their ideology and Poles are not part of that, but like, that's Madame Curie, you know, that's that's Antoine von Leeuwenhoek, like um, fucking Copernicus, you know, mm-hmm. uh, same thing with the Italians. You know, they see Mediterranean people as not being fully white and like it's a whole ass thing. But when it's convenient to them, they'll lop them into whiteness, you know, because they're racist. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so Proud Boys have a big history of violence. Um, they're very much like brown shirts. Um, they show up at a lot of protest events, especially events that are protesting like liberal and particularly socialist or democratic socialist causes. Um, they show up at those events with groups like Patriot Prayer and Oath Keepers, which are like violent anti-government groups. And like they are seriously, seriously fucking violent. Um, multiple Proud Boys have been sent to prison over assault charges. Um, the current ish leader of the proud boys Enrique Tario was arrested uh, in November for stealing a BLM flag from a historically black Methodist church in DC and then burning that flag. Um, Five members of the proud boys were charged with premeditating their invasion of the Capitol on January 6th. Um, They worked in like a coordinated way um, and, and I actually read the indictments by the DOJ on these, these five individuals, these five proud boys. And like, they're, you ever been to a mall around closing or opening time, how they have those like metal kind of doors that they'll use to close over mm-hmm. the like mall storefronts. Mm-hmm. They had something like that at the, at the Capitol building. Um, and these guys purposefully jammed those up and stopped cops from closing those, which allowed hordes of protesters to stream into doorways that could have otherwise been sealed off. Mm. Um, and the DOJ is asserting that these guys like deliberately went in and planned as like a vanguard to like, keep those doors open. To like they would have to know through. where those doors were at and what they would need to stop them from coming down mm-hmm. beforehand. So did they mm-hmm. do that? 
so did they do that in advance of people storming the Capitol or no, did they, they do they that like at the, as they were right up front as people were like approaching the house, they were right in front of, of that crowd. And as they saw that, like those, those door panels were being lowered, they went and stopped them from being mechanically lowered and then like propped up chairs and, and um, like podiums and stuff to stop them from. Yeah. Fully you, there, there's one video of one of the proud boys actually taking a pole, like a flagpole and jamming it in there. Uh, while people were flooding in so yeah you can they caught them on video doing it and once again being the smart people they are they weren't wearing their proud boy attire but they all put uh bright orange strips of tape on their helmets and around their arms and stuff so they're still easily identifiable yeah (laughs) let's make a mark so that we can tell each other you know in a covert way who we all are and nobody will ever fucking figure that shit out yeah no, no, we did. We figured it out really fucking quick. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to all of that, um, the Proud Boys are organized very much like a gang. Um, they've got a four part induction ritual um, with hazing. Um, first, they take an oath, which I'm not going to repeat because I'm not going to push their propaganda. Um, second, they are beaten by a group of their like peers, basically a group of already like, jumped proud boys. They're, like, they're like being jumped in. Shit yeah. Yeah. They're being jumped in and they have to repeat some sort of pop trivia. Like historically it's been, they have to name five breakfast cereals while getting their ass kicked before the ass kicking stops. Who did um, Michael Jackson rape? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's wrong kind of pop culture. Yeah. Um, and then uh, third, they have to get a proud boy logo tattoo and they're ridiculous looking. Um, and then finally, they have to, quote, get in a major fight to be a full member, which I mean is gang as hell. Like that's that's literally go jump yeah. someone right to be jumped in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing I want to leave it on is that um, the Proud Boys are very closely associated with Trump advisor Roger Stone. Um, yeah. In fact, Roger Stone is listed as one of three people that the Proud Boys say they're willing to have talk about them who's not a member in like public events. Um, and Enrique Tario was present at the White House a few days before that December 12th protest. Um, and he claims to have been invited by the White House to speak with Trump, um, though the White House did deny that. But it has fueled speculation about like coordination with the January 6th insurrection. Mm. Well, there's photos of Proud Boys like being Roger Stone's personal guards on January 6th behind backstage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is that, um, you know, they're the part of their initiation where they get their tattoo. Mm-hmm. So it was probably about two or three years ago now. Uh, there were some proud boys that went to a local tattoo parlor in Salt Lake to get their tattoos done. And the tattoo shop said, no, we're not going to fucking do that. Get the fuck out. So the Proud Boys stood outside the shop. The shop owner's in the window of this photo, and the Proud Boys are all giving the owner the finger. And they post that on Facebook being like, a, gotcha, tattoo parlor. No one's going to come there anymore. <laughs> well, guess what happened? Everyone's like, they got a lot you more business. serve the Proud Boys? We're going there. <laughs> nice. when, when our appointments, their books got flooded because they rejected the Proud Boys. Nice. So their effort to say, fuck you, such and such tattoo parlor in Salt Lake fucking backfired everyone's like good keep them the fuck out of there thanks for the free advertising the fuck out of there and since you kept them the fuck out of there we're gonna give you business (laughs) yeah thanks for the free advertising fuckos 
pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so on to Canada, right? Uh, Canada uh, watched the insurrection happen at our capital, and their parliament quickly decided to take action. They voted, quote, to use all available tools to address the proliferation of white supremacist and hate groups, starting with the immediate with immediately designating the Proud Boys as a terrorist entity. Now, that's a non-binding resolution. But nine days later, their minister of public safety added the Proud Boys to Canada's terrorist entity list. It's a list that includes groups like Al Qaeda, the Russian imperialist movement, ISIS and the base. Now, I will say this. Oh, go ahead. It was a good thing Canada did that because they had to basically lay, take care of one of their boys. Gavin McGinnis is Canadian. Mm. They fucked up by letting him loose on the world. He <laughs> is, however, but he claims to have left the Proud Boys following Charlottesville um, because he didn't yeah, want to take legal heat for their involvement in that. Yeah, mm. but he still started it. He's still oh, yeah, the absolutely. originator of it. It wouldn't absolutely. be here if it wasn't for him. No, 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 definitely. Mm. Um. So, okay, you all know I hate Nazis. Um, I hate the Proud Boys. You're probably wondering why I think it might be a bad thing that they added the Proud Boys to this entity list. Um, So let's look at America's entity list. I'm going to come back to Canada, but I want to look first at what America has, right? Currently, we have a list of terrorist organizations, uh, and this is determined by an office within the State Department. Entities are designated as terrorist organizations by the State Department, and they must, according to the Patriot Act, uh, Patriot Act, meet three conditions. The first is that they have to be a foreign organization residing predominantly uh, outside of the United States. They must engage in terrorist activities, quote, premeditated, uh, politically motivated violence perpetrated against non-combatant targets by subnational groups or clandestine agents. There's also a really fucking long definition in section 212 of the Immigration Act, um, and I can include a link in the show notes. Um, finally, the terrorist activity must threaten the U.S. domestically or its interests in people abroad. All of that, though, is foreign. It does not apply to domestic organizations. Yeah, we don't there, have we don't have anything in the U.S. to identify no. domestic organizations. We have no domestic right. terror statute. Yeah. yeah. Um, now we do have hate crimes, right? Um, in in 1968, we passed a hate crime law, and that law makes it a crime to threaten, uh, sorry, to use threaten or to use force um, to willfully interfere with any individual because of their race, color, religion, national origin. Um, and because uh, the person is participating in a federally protected activity, such as public education, employment, jury service, travel, or the enjoyment of public accommodations, or helping another person to do so. Basically, if folks are just going about their life and you interfere with them on the basis of their race, color, religion, or national origin, that's a hate crime. Um, and and one of the things that's important about that is that that the the prosecutor has to prove that that is the intent of the individual attacking that it was because of a like bigoted belief about that person's you know race religion etc um furthermore congress passed a church arson prevention act um that makes it a crime to deface damage or destroy religious property um or interfere with an individual's religious practice um, furthermore, uh, the Shepherd Bird Act in 2009 um, passed protections to cover gender identity and sexuality. The problem is, is these are all federal laws, right? Yeah. Um, 
which means that the violence that occurred had to cross state lines and it has to be out of a given state's jurisdiction in order for the Fed to charge individuals for those kinds of crimes. Um, you can go online and look at like Brennan Center, you know, Wikipedia has it too, but there are maps available that will show you what individual state hate crime laws are. Surprisingly, most hate crime laws cover pretty much everything up to and including gender, um, uh, sorry, sexuality, but most states do not have any sort of hate crime law that protects um, gender identity, right? Um, only like, I think nine states have laws on the books that protect uh, gender identity with hate crime acts. Hmm. Which which kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, it sucks yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So going back to it, um, the FBI defines domestic terrorism as violent criminal acts committed by individuals and or groups to further ideological goals stemming from domestic influences, such as those of a political, political, religious, social, racial or environmental nature. Um, the current U.S. law defines domestic terrorism as acts which involve uh, sorry, acts that are dangerous to human life, uh, that are a violation of criminal laws of the United States uh, or of any state that appear to be intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population to influence the policy of the government by intimidation or coercion, which sounds a fucking lot like what happened January 6th Mm -hmm. um, or to affect the conduct of the government by mass destruction, assassination or kidnapping and occur primarily within the territorial jurisdiction of the United States. Here's the fucking problem. We have these laws which define domestic terrorism. We have no laws that institute penalties for domestic terrorism. We have no law that says engaging in what is defined as terrorism is itself a criminal act. Instead, the U.S. has to charge individuals on individual crimes, damage to property, Mm -hmm. assault, battery, kidnapping, right? Um, Conspiracy to commit any of those crimes. But we don't have a law that says because you have a terroristic ideology – we can charge you just outright. And yeah. after this break, we're going to talk about terrorist groups in Canada and what laws they have to handle domestic terrorists and what might be the problems if we were to implement those same kinds of laws. I just, I just got one question before the break. Yeah, sure thing. Um, the pull part to influence policy of a government by intimidation or coercion. Mm-hmm. Depending on who's interpreting that, couldn't they interpret any nonviolent protest as that? So, no, because intimidation itself um, is, falls under like assault laws, which means okay. you have to be threatening the use of force in order to prevent a person from like engaging in speech. Um, okay. So yeah. just them, uh, like, that's what I was thinking. Like just cause a, a mass group of people show up to protest peacefully mm-hmm. yeah. and make their voice heard. Could that be yep. considered intimidation or not? No. Now okay. I am not a lawyer. Right. Um, but I have a pretty strong understanding of intimidation just because I had to, I had somebody in college who actually got charged for intimidating me. Um, and they ended up getting like banned from campus and shit. So I'm somewhat familiar with the law. Um, and yeah, intimidation itself is a, a form of assault, you know, assault being different. Like threatening violence and have the capability to actually commit that violence. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to merely. Yeah. I want this law changed. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 
Hey gang, this is Jack Materko from For Infernal Use Only and the Naked Diner Podcast, and you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Now, I used to end these meetings with some wisdom from the good book, but then someone reported me to corporate. Heck yeah, I did. Look, I'm a Christian too, but in these four walls, my Bible is the employee code of conduct. We all thank you for it. Yeah, you're welcome. I pray for you, Dina. Pray for you too, Glenn. I'm praying right now. Glenn, so hard. I'm praying harder than you. I know how. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! All right, welcome back. Uh, Right to it. To the Canadian law I've been referring to. Um, Canada's terrorist list um, targets organizations and makes it a criminal offense to provide funds or assistance to the group uh, assistance to the group. It does not criminalize membership, but under the criminal code, it's a crime to collect, provide, make available, or invite a person to provide property or financial or other related services, knowing that they will be used by or to benefit a terrorist group. How that property is used is of no consequence, which means buying a Proud Boys Mm -hmm. t-shirt or paying membership dues is now a terrorism offense in Canada. It's Mm -hmm. also a crime to instruct a person to do something for a terrorist group to enhance its ability to facilitate or carry out a terrorist activity um, and to commit an offense, uh, uh, commit an indictable offense under federal law for the terrorist group. Furthermore, it criminalizes participation in or contributing to the activity of a terrorist group where the purpose of said participation is to enhance the group's ability to facilitate or carry out terrorist activity. That's super broad, right? Yeah, that's that's like recruiting, like anything social media wise and also money wise. Like, how do they get around cryptocurrency on that? That's so fucking big now. Yes, it is. And and um tracking cryptocurrency is something that like the FBI and the U S would be responsible for. Um, but like the important thing that I see with that is that that basically cuts the individuals in that group off from the economy. Right. Oh yeah. Now, now the U S has our foreign terror designation and it is remarkably similar from my, you know, 30,000 foot level read of the Canadian terror list the thing is that the canadian terror list applies domestically whereas the american terror list only applies uh in in for foreign groups right and i think it makes sense for the terror list to do what it does for foreign groups right because what they're really looking at doing is preventing the expatriation of money from the domestic region to a foreign region to support a a terrorist organization, right? Mm -hmm. You're stopping people from donating money to Al Qaeda or ISIS, right? Which can then be used in an area where their economy is, you know, significantly more inflated than the U S is. So those dollars carry further. Right. Um, But, but now that uh, the proud boys are considered a terrorist group in Canada, which is a foreign country, mm -hmm. Are the U.S. isn't able to label them as a foreign terrorist group now that a foreign country has labeled them as a domestic terrorist group? So you might think that, but also concurrent with Canada um, passing those rules, uh, uh, sorry, adding them to that terrorist list, um, the branches of the Proud Boys in Canada have closed. Right? Oh. Those organizations immediately folded up yeah. um, because they didn't want to be punished. Now, this introduces two big um problems right the first one is 
uh, just like anything on the internet, ban evasion, right? Okay, mm-hmm. well, the Proud Boys are a terrorist organization. Well, we're going to, you know, close the Proud Boys as a group and start the Schmoud Boys, you know? Like, yeah. we're going to, like, do exactly the same thing with exactly the same people, but now call it a different organization and change your, like, our trademark stuff, right? Would be one argument they could make. But the other thing that I think is actually more important is that it discourages um, what people in the counterterror industry call off-ramping, Right. For the most part, as people start to age out of and age into extremist ideologies, they typically find off ramps, right? We saw this a lot in the 1980s and 1990s with white supremacist gangs is as they started to have like families and children, they get out of the group, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's impossible to raise a family while getting arrested for like beating up minorities, right? Um, Christian Picciolini, if you've heard of him, he's... He was a member of a white supremacist gang in Chicago in the 80s, and now he speaks out against white supremacy and tries to deprogram people. For him, his major like off-ramp moment was as he had his son, right? Um, so if you make the economic and societal pressures to stay in a group greater than to get out of the group, you can halt that off-ramping process. Basically, you want to squeeze someone enough that it's easier for them to rejoin society rather than to continue to be an extremist. But if you squeeze them too hard and cut them off too far from any sort of like benefits of society, then it's easier for them to rely on their fellow extremists than it is to reintegrate back into society. And so they end up becoming more closeted off rather than less. Right. They're essentially becoming more radicalized. Yeah. And it it encourages something like Ruby rich, you know, like if you can't Mm -hmm. engage in the economic system in your own country, and if you have no appeals process to say, Hey, all right, I'm out. I'm not in the group anymore then that means that you have to depend on other members of that group to like have food and shelter. Mm-hmm. Right. So personally, I think that the smarter thing to do with domestic terrorist groups is to utilize the laws that we already have. Organizations like the Brennan center have looked at the vast laws that we have with regards to like um, uh, wiretapping and, and other forms of like electronic surveillance. Um, the laws that we currently have in the books for hate crimes, for assault, for intimidation, for arson, all that jazz. Um, and they've also looked at like former abuses of programs like COINTEL, uh, you know, that were that were done against black communities and, and socialist communities during the civil rights era. And basically, they've said, like, we have the laws that we need right now to tackle domestic terrorism. We're just not using them right. Personally, and I don't work for the government. Um, I think that the smart thing to do is to create a registry of domestic terrorists and then put an open warrant for wiretapping on those organizations. Basically, let them know, like, we're going to read your shit. And there's um, law that speaks to conspiracy to commit a crime, which is when two two or more individuals discuss, hey, we're going to go commit an assault, right? Or we're going to go commit a theft or we're going to go, you know, tag a a black church, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can show that they plan out the act and then take the first steps to go commit the act, then you can charge them with conspiracy for a crime. Mm -hmm. And to me, I don't know why the FBI isn't just saying, okay, well, we're going to monitor the fuck out of your chat. And the moment that we see like a price purchase going along with chat dialogue, roll them up under Rico, you know, take them out at that point and stop them from, you know, actually engaging in these plans in the first place. But I don't think that, sorry, let me take a step back. The Canadian registry, the way that it works is they declare you a terrorist group. And after that, it's every couple of years that 
a group can say, hey, we're not doing that anymore before they can get taken off the registry. And I didn't see any sort of like release valve for an individual to say, I'm not a part of that group anymore. Mm-hmm. The concern I have about that is that when you apply measures that strictly to domestic stuff, the person has nowhere to go. Uh, except for to become more extreme. And I am all about punishing people for committing crimes. But if we're looking at pure utility, um, I think that it's more useful to provide people who have not yet committed a crime, like vis-a-vis assault, right, to get out rather than to wait for them to commit a crime or conspire to commit a crime and then have them filling up the jails. So that's... That's my big point right now is that we really need to balance civil liberties um, and the ability to off ramp against like strict process, not even prosecution, but strict um, like locking out of the economy by these groups like fuck the proud boys. But I don't think that we should stop members of them from like engaging in the market because that's just going to drive them underground. So how much of a deterrent do you think there is in in classifying a group like this you know in following canada's role or or their decision to name Mm -hmm. the proud boys a terrorist organization how much of a deterrent is that from people joining the organization like we're talking about you know once the organization has already been created that we should be able to provide off ramps for people out of the organization and that and that's i think a great thing but is it is it still good to name them as a terrorist organization as part of an effort to deter people from joining in the first place. So I can't say um, I don't have the data to show whether or not that deters people from joining them in the first place. Mm. I can say that according to um, the lawfare blog, which is a like subset of the, it's a publication of the Brennan center for justice. Mm. Not a single person has ever been actually charged with a crime associated being on that terrorist registry. So all of those things that that terrorist registry that, that Canada has that says, Oh, if you, if you donate money or or effort or whatever to this group, you're, you're charged with a federal crime. No one has ever been prosecuted of one of those crimes, Mm. right? Even for like ISIS or Al Qaeda. So, you know, they say that there's enforcement where the fuck is the enforcement, right? So it, it strikes me that like, okay, cool. You've called them a terrorist, but you don't actually do anything with that uh, terrorist law in the first place. Hmm. So I would say like, I don't know how much of a deterrence it is. You know, clearly they're not charging people. That could be that they're not charging people because then they stop, or it could just be that they like haven't engaged their federal apparatus and actually tracking down these crimes to charge them. You know, perhaps they're being baffled by, Bitcoin, but I strongly suspect that instead it's just that they don't actually enforce that law because they don't want to see it challenged in the court for violating civil liberties. Hmm. I mean, that's why I, I just I just had to look it up what Canada's actually their freedom of speech laws were. Mm-hmm. And basically it came down to uh, you have a freedom of expression in you or not in Utah, in Canada. Underneath Section 2 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, it also permits the government to enforce reasonable limits on hate speech, obscenity, and defamation. Mm-hmm. And, and America has probably the loosest freedom of speech laws in the oh, world. Oh, yeah. 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 
um, which has its ups and downs. You know, we don't have blasphemy laws, which is pretty good, but we also yeah. don't have like, you know, uh, anti-Holocaust denial laws like Germany does, which I think is a problem. So, yeah, you know, but it happened. Yeah. No, that's my thing. Like, I, I think that the government should be doing more about domestic terrorists. Right. And, and in his town hall this last, uh, weekend, Joe Biden, uh, or was it earlier today? Fuck. I don't know. It was know. yesterday. Was it yesterday? Sorry. It was yesterday. I, yeah. yeah, it was yesterday. Hours, yeah. So days don't make sense to me. But he said, like, he wants his DOJ going after white supremacist groups. And it's important to know that Merrick Garland, who's going to be the, uh, attorney general is the guy who charged and convicted Timothy McVeigh. Oh, nice. Yeah. So hopefully that helps. Um, we have laws on the books. I also think that um, like in the intelligence community and law enforcement organizations need to be better at actually like tracking and understanding white supremacist groups. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen on like, Oh, kind of a tangent, but like Facebook has no idea what's actually like white supremacist messaging. Yeah. You know, I report like swastikas that I see all the time and they're like, well, this technically doesn't violate community standards. You know, it's a peace a symbol. Of, yeah, there's there's tons of communication that takes place that allows for like hate groups to insinuate that they're going to commit violence without actually saying like, hey, let's go gack this guy. Right. Um, and, well, do and we I'm, go ahead? Do we need social media sites to do better jobs with it? Because. I mean, I see social media as being the primary recruitment side mm -hmm. for a lot of these groups. And if you don't let them recruit, their numbers are going to go away. It is, but that's separate and apart from like federal response, because yeah. any dictating what social media does um, is just going to end up being government infringing on speech, like pre per what we that, said before. That's why that's why the social media would have to do it on their mm -hmm. own without mm -hmm. government influence in it. So then it's not the government restricting on First Amendment rights. It's the those groups making mm -hmm. community standards and guidelines that you have yeah. to follow. And if you're being racist as fuck, guess what? You're breaking those standards. Yeah. And, and I've done some research on that. Um, probably at a later date, um, I'd be happy to go over that research and kind of talk about like what best practices have been in the past, but that is definitely outside of the scope of today's chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just going after the First Amendment side of it a little bit because oh, absolutely. it's a tricky, it's a tricky, it's a tricky area to tackle. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be happy. It'll take me a little bit, you know, it won't be next week, but I will definitely put together some stuff on, uh, on that. Ooh oh yeah. I look forward to it. Thank you for doing all of this, man. That was, yeah, I, I mean, it's great that Canada would decide to classify them as a terrorist organization, but you know, that all sounds fine and good, but the devil's in the details, right? Mm-hmm. So we need yeah. to figure some shit out before, <laughs> before we just go willy-nilly, you're a terrorist, you're a terrorist. Yeah. Right, because, I mean, what happens when, like, okay, well, Antifa are terrorists, right? Or, or BLM are terrorists, right? Yeah. And now suddenly that same economic lockout that would be applied to, like, the Proud Boys or Al-Qaeda is now passed to, like, one of the tens of thousands of just people protesting right mm -hmm. this last summer and now they can't rent a home yeah so we've got to be careful with what you know like that ver that threatens to be a slippery slope but like with cointel pro we've seen it happen you know our government has violated the civil liberties of people fighting during the civil rights era so we do need to keep that shit in mind 
Hmm. Yeah. Well, cool, cool. Uh, before we go, that that pretty much wraps things up for us. I uh, wanted to talk about farts and manatees. <laughs> You always want to talk about farts. <laughs> so, so we've talked about doing doing kind of a recurring thing where we do you know a fun or funny or interesting little bit of trivia, and we had a bunch of submissions sent in from listeners, and those were all fun. and And I've been going through a lot of those, but I just I can't even remember exactly how I ran into this one. Um, <laughs> But you know, farts are always funny We're to me. Up farts, and and we've also talked about you know maybe doing doing a fart story segment here here and there. <laughs> but so this one kind of fits both 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 areas. But it was really interesting to me uh, that I recently learned that manatees use farts uh, in a in a never ending cycle to control their buoyancy. Um, you know that manatees live in the oceans. They they what? they're not really a land mammal. I mean, they they come on land, but when they're in the water, most uh, most creatures who live in the ocean uh, have have like a swim bladder, right? And that's how they control their buoyancy, where they store air. Manatees do not have a swim bladder. Instead, they have pouches in their intestines, where they store digestive gases. Uh, so basically, farts. And that's what they me too. <laughs> and that's how they control their buoyancy. They just through digestion create these gases, and uh, so when they have a lot of gas stored up, they're naturally more buoyant, right? So that helps them float more toward the surface of the water. When they fart the gas out, they sink. Unfortunately, that also means that a manatee's ability to fart is vital to its well-being. So whenever they're yeah. constipated, they can't fart, and so they're they're they stuck. Yeah, they're they're stuck more at the surface, and so that becomes a real problem. But I just thought that was interesting that manatees fart to to control their buoyancy. Well, and I'm I'm sitting there thinking like, what if a manatee farts too much, and they're like, oh shit, now I'm stuck at the bottom, like something <laughs> some air. <laughs> then they have to wait for some digestive juices so using their little tiny legs to like get <laughs> up to the surface <laughs> now, that was my thoughts i know i fart when i sleep uh-huh <laughs> what, if, what if a manatee has the same issue they fall asleep they fart a lot they're stuck on the bottom they wake up they're like oh i need air i don't have any more gas in me i can't get to the fucking top <laughs> poor, poor thing wild well and and but then when they're constipated because they can't get rid of that gas they end up they, because the where it's stored is lower on their body. It ends up that they end up having a really difficult time swimming because their tail is constantly trying to raise up a re, raise up higher than the rest of its body makes it really difficult for them to maneuver. So, just kind yeah, of interesting so, that chili from your recipe this last week, and I would have had no problems. With it <laughs> it's been fantastic. So, are you saying if I go down to Florida and I see a manatee at the surface with his tail flopping out of the water? He just has, he's constipated. He's got to fart a lot. Let's just go stick a finger in his bum and help no. him out. No. Oh. <laughs> it's not Ryan's roto servant, roto rooter service for manatees. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't work that way. No, I don't think it does. Uh, so thank you guys very much. That was fun. Uh, that'll pretty much wrap things up for us before we go. I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because they keep the show going. Uh, that would be Alan Firth. Christy Kalbach, Stephen Andrus, 
two skeptical chaps. I like that I just started out and then we've sorted out the order just uh, by who went next. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Vanessa is next. Uh, don't be a Richard. Ollie Olson, who was the winner of our little thing and I have yep. been in communication with and will be sending him uh, a fine and fancy Godless Revolution t-shirt. He now gets our, our website hosting name. Uh, John McCullough. Tiffany Hudson. Sinead Duffy. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Jeremy Goodson. Let Them Eat Kofefe. Jeff Peterson. Corey Ebert. Megan Mitchell. Freethinker215. Tim Jacobson. Janet Uter. Savita Kuna. Taylor Grin. Really need to change that. Uh, Purple Dragon. <laughs> Nico Gonzalez. Chad Pryor. And Patreon customer service sucks donkey balls. Woo-hoo. Thank you all very much. If you would like to become a Patreon patron, you can do so very easily by going to patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can pledge as little as $1 per episode. Then you get fun stuff like early releases of the episode, uh, extended versions of the episode, extended outtakes, bonus episodes every now and then, just fun stuff and you get the knowledge that you're keeping us in business and able to pay the bills to bring you this fine show. Thank you very much. Hey, so, and uh, do us a favor after you're done on your drive, your commute, or when you're done with this episode, wherever you are, pull over, go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, whatever app you use and give us a five-star review. That would be super cool. Helps us a lot. We would appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Are you intimidating them? I didn't threaten force <laughs> yet. <laughs> no, but seriously, it really does help us out. It allows more people to see the show. Yeah. Yes. Puts more eyeballs on the episodes, which is a good thing more and, and piped into more ear holes, which is an even better thing. Well, thank you both very much. We'll chat at you next week. Bye fuckers. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really roundabout way of me saying, like, I don't fucking know, dude. My hair is getting to the length where I'm going to need that staff so I can kick Gandalf's ass if I see him. Yeah, when I encounter a moose, I will be prepared to at least go down fighting. I'll make its knee hella sore. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to fuck up your knee, Mr. Moose. We should just talk about our masturbation habits. Right in there, it's gotta kind of rub it and just just get it, just get it nice and sweet. Oh come on, we're just gonna rub the bad stuff out. Hey, welcome back from the break. Um, my name is Taylor Grin, and you fucking know that. All right, cut. Yeah, is, it, is it your name? No, we don't cut. We don't cut here. Is that your name? Fuck it, we'll do it live. God damn it. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs>